Hi, and welcome to the Really Telling It Like It Is program. And I'm Apostle Baker, Jay Baker, who is a doctor in psychology. And I wanna welcome you to this special broadcast. I am so, so, so excited. I'm excited in a couple of ways. Number one, you can uh, reach out for us on Roku now. You can see us on Roku and uh, as well as all the other type things that you've been doing. I want you to push that button, share, do whatever it is that you can to invite your friends, your enemies, and uh, those who want to be friends and all of the people that you know, because my very, very, very special guest, Apostle Michael Fram, is going to blow it out with the truth about prophets and prophecy. So without any further, oh, we're here to provoke you, as you said, to provoke you to think about the word of God and how you think about the word of God. So it's not a for a mamby-pamby group of people. This man is raw. He does it. He tells it like it is, really like it is. That's why he's on this program. So now let's bring on Apostle Michael Fram. Hallelujah. Yahoo. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, there she goes with the Yahoo again. <laughs> Those that don't know what, what apparently Dr. Baker has a new word in her vocabulary, and it is the word Yahoo. So I guess that is a, a unsanctified hallelujah. But uh, wow, it's been so much fun doing this with, with Doc and um, going through these broadcasts. I actually was watching today on Roku. I actually pulled it up on my smart TV and watched some of the first episodes that I did with her. And you can see all of them now. They're all backlogged and we'll be going there live all the time. So that's exciting for us in the Love and Unity family to have these not only be on Facebook, not only on YouTube, not only on Rumble and on Twitter and on LinkedIn, but now it'll be on Roku every week and soon to be going on the LG platform as well. And then the Kindle Fire is right down the road. And so we are literally going around the world on multiple platforms with these broadcasts, and we are really, really excited about that. And so um, I actually went back and looked at where we left off last week. And last week, we were talking about the different levels of prophetic gifting. And we had been talking about what the gift of prophecy was and how that's the shallow, basic end of, of prophecy or the simple gift of prophecy. And then going from there to having some prophetic gifting, from there going to being in prophetic ministry and getting into that place that everybody hates in level three called the pit, prophet in training. And we ended up talking about that. And today we're going to begin and we should finish this next week, I say by faith. We're going to fit, but if not, it'll just carry over. But we're going to get into of the actual gift of a prophet, which is level four in prophetic gifting. Remember, we started with the quote from Graham Cook that all spirit-filled Christians can prophesy, 
but that does not make everyone who does a prophet. There are various levels and stages of prophetic anointing, beginning from the shallow and the basic prophecy, which is encouragement, edification, and comfort. However, moving through these levels all the way to the office of a prophet takes considerable training and experience and development over a great many years. And he said, on average, on average, it takes 15 to 20 years to make a mature, seasoned prophet, depending on the discipling and training and mentoring that one has received during that time period. And so this idea that, you know, I can prophesy today and I'm a prophet tomorrow, it just does not wash. You don't even find it anywhere in the New Testament. The New Testament, we've been going through a lot of scriptures and showing that the New Testament draws a distinction, a very clear distinction between prophecy and a prophet. And we're going to see some more of that today as we begin to talk about the ministry gift, the ascension gift, the office of the prophet. And so I have three foundation scriptures that we're going to use for talking about the prophet. The first one is Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11. The second one is 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28. And then the third is Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. I'm going to read all three of these texts of Scripture out of the NASB or New American Standard Bible. And so Ephesians 4.11, I think most people are familiar with it. And it says, and he, meaning the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church. You remember Ephesians 4.8, when he, Lord Jesus, ascended up on high, he gave gifts which is the Greek word doma, D-O-M-A, he gave gifts unto men. And then in verse 11, it says, and he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Then we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28. And it says, and God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. And then our third foundation text for talking about the ministry gift, ascension gift of a prophet is Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. And it says, having been built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. Now, as we look at these foundation texts, there's some things that we have to pull and, and emphasize right up front. Number one, a prophet is one of the fivefold ministry offices or gifts or ascension gifts of Christ or ascension gifts of the risen Christ, whatever term you like. Some people are really familiar with the fivefold ministry. Some are familiar with the, with the hand. We, we commonly use the analogy of the hand and said that the apostle was the thumb and the, the uh, pointer finger was the prophet, that the uh, middle finger was the evangelist, the ring finger 
was the pastor and the pinky was the teacher. And we said that the, the thumb, the apostle, was the one that governed the church. The prophet, the pointer finger, was the guide to the church. That the middle finger, the evangelist, was the one that gathered the church. That the pastor, the ring finger, was the one that guards the church. And then the pinky, which is the teacher, is the one that grounds the church within truth. It's interesting that the thumb can touch every other one of the fingers very easily, which means that the apostle has the ability to function in any of the other offices as need be. And the interesting thing about the pinky, of course, is it's the only one that's small enough to fit in your ear. And that's what the teacher does. It gets in your ear. But the pointer is the prophet. That's the one that guides the church. And so when we look at those five ascension gifts or fivefold ministry using the hand analogy, the prophet is one of those gifts. And again, that Greek word is the word doma, D-O-M-A. And that Greek word literally means a present. There are various uh, words for gifts in the New Testament. One is charisma or charismata, and it means an endowment of grace. But this particular word for gift, this doma word, means that it is a present. And so the Lord Jesus Christ, when he ascended up on high, he gave presents to men. And the presents that he gave were apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. They are presents from the Lord Jesus to the church. I like to tell folks this. That means every day is Christmas in the kingdom. Because he gives gifts that just keep on giving. That's what they do. And so the Lord Jesus loved the church so much. He gave himself for the church. And he, even after he ascended, he gave gifts. He gave presents to the church by these five equipping gifts, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So a prophet is one. It's one-fifth or 20% of the fivefold or the ascension gifts and all of the gifts that are there in Ephesians 4, they're all called to equip the church. They all have the same function. They all have the same, but the way they go about doing their function is different, which is what differentiates between them. Now, also, when we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 28, it tells us that God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Now, people say, well, you know, the word for apostle there where it says first is the Greek word proton, which means first in order, first in rank, first in succession. Let me just correct some of the error that's been out there. This is not a hierarchical system of government. This is not a top-down system 
of government. Somehow we've got it within our minds that, you know, you start here and then you graduate to here and you graduate and like we're going up a pyramid. We're, we're, we, we think kingdom in terms of multi-level marketing. Well, I'm at this level distributor. I'm at this level distributor. I'm at that. That's not the way the kingdom works. The kingdom, the way up is always down. That whoever exalts himself is going to be a base. And whoever humbles themselves will end up being exalted. And so when we look at this, where it's first in order, first in rank, first in succession, don't think of it in terms of hierarchy. Think of it in terms of this. When the Lord Jesus said, I will build my ecclesia, the way that he began his ecclesia was by calling men that they might be with him. And after they spent time being mentored by the master 24-7 for three years, then he called them apostles. Notice when the Lord Jesus began his ecclesia, he did not begin with pastors. He did not begin with evangelists. He did not begin with teachers. He did not begin with prophets, but he began with apostles. He called men to be with him, and then he called them apostles. So when he began his ecclesia, he started with apostles. So apostles were the first gift that the Lord Jesus Christ gave to the church. First in order, first in rank, first in succession. And then we come to the word prophets, and it says second prophets. Interesting word for that word second. It means another just like the first. It means another just like the first. So when he says he starts with apostles, they're the first in order, first in rank, first in succession, because when he started his ecclesia, he started his ecclesia with apostles. The apostles of the Lamb are the foundation. And let me just say this, even though it's not the subject for today, the apostles of the Lamb are a special class of apostles that no other apostle will reach to or attain because they were the only ones that were mentored by the master. Even the apostle Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, said as one born out of time that he's not even in the same class as the apostles of the Lamb are. So they are a special breed. They are a special class of apostles. There will be no more apostles of the Lamb, but dear Lord God, there's still going to be apostles today. Even though we may not be apostles of the Lamb, we will be apostles just as Paul was, just as Barnabas was, just as Junia was. So we can still have apostles today. But the word for prophet is another one just like the first. So that means that apostles and prophets really are kind of like kissing cousins. They're really two of a kind. And so that's what brings us to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20. And it says, having been built upon the foundation 
of the apostles and the prophets. So when you think of foundations, think in terms of a building. See, our religious multi-level marketing mindset has apostles and prophets being the roof. But they're not the roof. They're the foundation. The foundation is what is face down in the dirt. That as the foundation has the ability to support the structure of a house of living stones that are fitly joined together by the Lord Jesus Christ, the master builder. And God hath set within the church just as it pleased him. Notice we do not set ourselves in the church, but he sets us as it pleases him. Then people say, well, I'm going to be. No, you're not. You can't will to be. And nobody can set you apart to be, but God has to set you to be. And who God sets you to be, he anoints you to be, and he equips you to be. For there is nobody that gets appointed that does not get anointed. And they get anointed for what they are appointed to do. And if you don't have the anointing to fulfill the task, that means you're not appointed to do the task. If we could just get folks to learn to stay in their lane and stay with what God has anointed them for. There were some fellas in the Old Testament that tried to stabilize the ark that were not authorized to touch the ark. And they got out of their lane. And so they found out very quickly that the ark was not user-friendly because they got struck down when they stepped out of their lane and tried to fulfill the function that was assigned to the priest. And so prophets, stop trying to be apostles, be prophets. Pastors, stop trying to be prophets, be pastors. Everybody needs to operate according to the anointing, the grace, and the gifting of God. And we are not in competition with one another. We were designed to function as a well-oiled machine. And each one of these five ascension gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, is one-fifth or 20% of the equipping force of the gifts that God has given to the church. And so if we are a church that is operating with one gift or two gifts, it means we are operating at 20% or 40% efficiency rather than 100% efficiency. And so we need all five. We need all five of these gifts to be within the church. And so the apostle and the prophet, that which was set first and the other one that is just like unto it, they are the foundation. They're the ones face down. They are in the dirt. And if we don't have the foundation of apostles and prophets, then the house of living stones will not be very stable. You know, the psalmist said, if the foundation be destroyed, what hope is there for the people of God? And so we need to have apostles and prophets to be together as the foundation. 
then notice that with Jesus Christ himself being the cornerstone. Now, when you're looking at construction, the cornerstone is the place at the corner of the building. It's the first stone that is set. The Bible speaks of Jesus as the stone that the builders rejected, meaning those under the old covenant. They rejected the cornerstone. But the ecclesia that he is building is built upon him as the cornerstone. And then what keeps the building of living stones in plumb is the apostles coming one way and the prophets coming the other. And they keep that building in plumb and in square as long as they are tied to the Lord Jesus Christ, the head of the church. And so apostles and prophets together make up the foundation. Apostles alone do not make the foundation. Prophets alone do not make the foundation. That's right. Apostles and prophets together make the foundation. Folks, we need to say about apostles and prophets what we say at weddings. You know, at the end of the wedding ceremony, and the minister says, I now present to you, Mr. and Mrs. Whatever, we say, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Well, God has joined apostles and prophets together. And what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. Let nobody separate apostles and prophets. But see, what we've done is we've gotten to the place that we think one gift is more important than the other gift. And apostles think they're more important, and prophets think they're more important. And the truth is they are interdependent upon one another. And they were designed to function together. In these three foundational texts that we looked at of Ephesians 4.11 and 1 Corinthians 12.28 and Ephesians 2.20, we notice that the apostle and prophet are mentioned together in all three texts. Now, you know, the Lord Jesus said, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, everything will be established. And so we've got in Ephesians 4.11, apostles and prophets. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 28, we have apostles and prophets. And in Ephesians 2, 20, we have apostles and prophets. Notice in Ephesians 2, 20, speaking of the foundation, the only gifts that are mentioned there are apostles and prophets. They're the only two that are mentioned out of all the five that are mentioned as foundational gifts. Again, the foundation is down in the dirt. It's not the roof on the house. See, we don't invite people to come look at our foundation when we're building a house. Look at this beautiful dug down deep into the dirt. Look at these beautiful cinder blocks that are down here. Look at all this cement and all this rebarb wire running through the cement that's down here in the dirt. Look how we don't do that. We wait till the house is completed. 
and we have the walls up and it's framed and it's sheetrock and it's painted and it's wallpapered and there's flooring and curtain and drapes and appliances and furniture. And then we invite everybody to come over and look at our house and say, look how beautiful. Nobody wants to look at the foundation. But somehow in our modern thinking, we've made apostles and prophets the most important thing. They are only in the sense that the strength of our foundation determines the strength of our house. Usually we will find that prophets are united or are yoked together with apostles as it is in these three texts. Say, do you have biblical examples of that? Absolutely. Paul and Silas traveled together as an apostle prophet team. And Paul was the apostle and Silas was the prophet. They would be what we would call a harness or a intimate partnership of an apostle and prophet. Then we also have the example of Paul and Agabus. Now they weren't harnessed together. They weren't pulling together. They weren't working in ministry together, but yet we see where Agabus had a vital role and a vital voice in speaking to Paul. Because you remember that Agabus first declared the famine. And exactly as he declared the famine, the famine came. And based on his prophetic word of what he said was coming, they prepared for that famine and set aside supplies and money to take care for when that famine was to come. And then they come together. And Agabus takes Paul's belt and he binds his own hands and said, this is what the spirit is signifying that whoever owns this belt, when he gets to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen by the Jews. And again, they weren't in partnership like Paul and Silas were, but they were a loose joining together. And that revelation that came from prophet Agabus was vital to Paul. Now, I know I can hear people right now, and I don't have time to finish it. I'm going to have to pick it up here next week. But I know I hear people, they say, oh, you know, Paul missed it. Paul missed it because Agabus gave him the word of the Lord. And Paul wasn't supposed to go to Jerusalem, but Paul went. Well, we're going to unpack that next week. And that's where we're going to start with this. This is the tease for next week. That's where we're going to begin. And then we'll get further into defining and explaining what a prophet is and what a prophet does. Doc, I give it to you. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Did you take a breath? No. <laughs> you know, one of the things of it is, is this, and I know that eventually we'll get into it. People try to group the prophet with the pastor since those are both peas together and they written and they 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 take out the order of how God intended it to be so that the church can still be run by the pastor. And I know that I just eat you with that. And I just love doing that. And I am excited about what you're going to do. This, uh, if you, if this has been a blessing to you, please uh, share it with other people. And uh, the information is there for you to be able to give. 
Apostle Michael Fram, and I will be back really telling it like it is next week. Same time, same station. Bye-bye.